Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson Podcast. Today, an important topic that impacts all of us. What we're learning about long COVID and long vax. Odds are you or someone you know is suffering from the impact of this. The symptoms are as wide ranging as an individual. The bad news is how widespread these illnesses are becoming. Even mainstream scientists put one estimate at 65 million people and growing last January, but it's believed to be much, much larger. The good news is there is some hope for treatments and there are good doctors and researchers doing the hard work. You may be hearing or are likely to hear some confusing information about COVID or the after effects of COVID or the after effects of the COVID vaccines, about long COVID or long vax. Now, these things may be confusing, not necessarily because they have to be, but in part because there are many interests working very hard to keep us from putting two and two together because it really opens up a serious can of worms. This is so important that while I'm working on related stories for upcoming editions of Full Measure, my Sunday TV show back for its ninth season, our ninth year in just a few weeks, I think it's too important to hold off on serious discussions about this. There is still so much to learn, and I think lesson number one here is that when anybody makes a sort of a case-closed type presentation on this topic, you probably have already learned to look at that proclamation with skepticism. It will be a very long time, if ever, before we know and understand everything about COVID and COVID vaccines and all of their impacts. I will note, as I often do, I'm not giving medical advice. My only advice, in fact, is for you to do your own research, consult medical professionals you trust, and listen to those who proved correct on this topic in the past. Also, do read what CDC and establishment public health officials have to say and write. Even though they were so wildly wrong about virtually everything important during COVID, it will help you to have all the information at your disposal so you can make the best decisions. And when I tell you some of what I'm learning, it will be based on researchers who have a good track record, not a bad track record. I find that's a pretty reliable practice for looking for accurate information and analysis. It doesn't mean they can't be wrong too, but it's worth listening to those who seem to have been on target in the past. I do my best to try to describe complex medical concepts as I understand them, but you'll forgive me if I'm imprecise as I'm learning too, and the main goal here is to give you some food for thought and resources as this important story develops. But a big point is that Researchers are learning that long COVID and what they're calling long vax or COVID vaccine injuries are often caused by the same thing. The heart of the problem is the spike protein of COVID and the COVID vaccines instruct your body to make that same spike protein. Some scientists recognized before the first vaccines were approved that the spike protein could be problematic. Way back in December of 2020, before the first vaccines hit the market, a Harvard-affiliated pediatric specialist at the University of California, Los Angeles, warned that there needed to be more testing, he thought, before the vaccines were put into wide circulation. I guess his warnings pretty much fell on deaf ears, although 
It's a really thoroughly written letter dated December 8th, 2020 to the Food and Drug Administration, the Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee. I encourage you to read this full letter yourself and you can search online under the name of the physician, Dr. Patrick Whelan, W-H-E-L-A-N, and FDA Advisory Committee and COVID vaccine, and it will probably come up. It's also posted at childrenshealthdefense.org, childrenshealthdefense.org. He writes in the first paragraph, I am concerned about the possibility that the new vaccines aimed at creating immunity against the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein have the potential to cause microvascular injury to the brain, heart, liver, and kidneys in a way that is not currently being assessed in safety trials of these potential drugs. He goes on to refer to studies and information that show these spike proteins appear to cause tissue damage, important tissue damage, without actively replicating virus. What does that mean? Well, kind of complicated, but it seems to me after reading the entire letter, what he's saying is even people who don't get very sick from the virus, even when the virus is not actively replicating can suffer this very serious tissue damage from the spike protein that's found in COVID and that's made in your body after COVID vaccine. He further writes, while there are pieces to this puzzle that have yet to be worked out, it appears that the viral spike protein that is the target of the major SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, in other words, he's saying the spike protein that's made in your body on instruction from these vaccines, is also one of the key agents causing the damage to distant organs that may include the brain, heart, lung, and kidney. He continues, Before any of these vaccines are approved for widespread use in humans, it is important to assess in vaccinated subjects the effects of vaccination on the heart, perhaps using cardiac MRI, as was done in a previous study, he says. Vaccinated patients, he goes on to say, could also be tested for distant tissue damage in deltoid area skin biopsies. And as he starts to conclude, he says, as important as it is to quickly arrest the spread of the virus by immunizing the population, that was when it was actually thought the vaccines would stop or arrest the spread of the virus. We now know it doesn't. But anyway, he says, as important as that would be, he says, quote, it would be vastly worse if hundreds of millions of people were to suffer long-lasting or even permanent damage to their brain or heart microvasculature as a result of failing to appreciate in the short term an unintended effect of full-length spike protein-based vaccines on these other organs. A pretty scary thought that the vaccines were approved before appropriate testing and that, in his words, hundreds of millions of people could suffer long-lasting or even permanent damage to their brain or heart or other small vessels as a result of not understanding what we were doing when we vaccinated so many people? Well, now fast forward two and a half years later, and there is emerging research that seems to fall along those lines, although there seem to be efforts to try to downplay how many people this could impact. There are efforts to try to say these effects are rare, but... Most of us know somebody who is currently still impacted from COVID or COVID vaccines, and it may be far more than we know because 
a lot of the alleged damage that is done is written off, say scientists, by people who just think I'm growing older, of course I'm getting forgetful in the case of brain effects. Or I had pre-existing heart issues, so of course my heart now can be expected to get worse as I grow older. When in fact, these things can be complications or exacerbated not only by the COVID infection or infections they've had, but also by the vaccines as well. Now, there are all kinds of reporting tricks you have to watch out for and listen for as this material is reported in the coming months and years. Some of the confusion will come because they will talk about long COVID and problems people suffer months or years later, as if these researchers and public health officials don't recognize that most everyone with long COVID supposedly was vaccinated, yet somehow they seem to have ruled out the vaccine as a cause or aggravating factor of any of it. Well, of course they can't do that, but you will rarely see them talk about vaccine impact when they discuss long COVID. The second trick to watch out for is when they do admit there are injuries after vaccination, which we all know is the case, and that's just a fact of any medicine or vaccine, but they will typically claim that those injuries or those problems don't occur more often than what they call background rates or what normally occurs in people when they don't have the exposure to the medicine or the vaccine, but that's questionable at best. And a third trick, if you have pre-existing factors genetic factors for some kind of illness that could be caused or triggered by a vaccine, they will claim the illness is due to those other factors, as if they pretend not to know that people with predispositions are more likely to suffer the adverse impact after a vaccination. In other words, if a vaccine can cause heart problems, and if you have a predisposition for heart problems, either genetically or you already have developed something, and then get vaccinated and then get sick from a heart problem, they'll say, well, you know, they had a genetic predisposition that can explain that, or they already had a heart problem before, so it exonerates the vaccine. They pretend not to understand the role the vaccine could have played. In short, it has long been known that those with pre-existing conditions and vulnerabilities for certain health issues must be the most careful about getting vaccinated with vaccines that could cause those very issues, yet people are rarely, if ever, told this. Now, there's some important new information for you to look at and consider that's gotten quite a bit of attention, even among mainstream medical organizations that prefer not to acknowledge anything like vaccine adverse events. This is news about two Yale University researchers who are looking at adverse events after COVID-19 vaccines. And the left-leaning pharmaceutical industry publication called MedPage Today wrote an interesting report on the two Yale University researchers and their work. And of course, considering the source, MedPage Today sprinkles in all kinds of information about how rare it is to have a vaccine adverse event and so on, which is actually not true, but that's just sort of the prevailing narrative. In any event, they talk about the work of the Yale University researchers who say that patient symptoms after vaccination, sometimes called long vax, are similar to those reported with long COVID. Remember what we talked about a few minutes ago? This includes, they say, small fiber neuropathy and postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, known as POTS. According to this article, 
Akiko Iwasaki and Harlan Krumholtz, both of Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut, recently expanded their ongoing LISTEN study, LISTEN is the name of it, of long COVID to include people with adverse events after COVID shots. Now you gotta give these researchers credit because they were actually looking at long COVID, but started listening to the patient reported information of the patients involved in their study. A quote from Krumholtz to MedPage Today says, around the time they were developing the LISTEN study, we also became aware that there were people who were reporting a chronic syndrome with many similar symptoms after receiving vaccination. These people were not political and not anti-vaccination. They had all been vaccinated, but seemed to have symptoms that were persistent and debilitating. Now, really, anybody whose head wasn't in the sand could have seen that and has seen that in the past couple of years. We knew that people who were not political or anti-vaccination in many cases were suffering severe vaccine adverse events and sometimes death. And what does it mean when they say they were not political and not anti-vaccination? What if they were? What if people who were political and were anti-vaccination suffered adverse events? Should they and would they all be written off? But I digress. Krumholtz, the scientist, went on to say that both groups of people, meaning people hurt after COVID and people hurt after COVID vaccines, felt dismissed by clinicians because conventional testing failed to identify a cause. This is a really important point. Conventional medicine, our regular doctors, in many cases, aren't recognizing these problems, aren't even really willing to go down that road. Because when a patient gets sick from something they can't find the cause of, when it doesn't show up in their medical books or on their normal scans, they don't really know what to do with it. And in their defense, they don't really necessarily have time to go and do original research or find out what the latest research on this topic is. I personally have interviewed people, quite a few of them, who they or their children who've gotten sick after COVID vaccines or after COVID were sent for psychiatric counseling after their doctors couldn't find anything wrong with them. And it turned out there was something very wrong with them. In some cases, they were paralyzed or they had other debilitating illnesses that were identified only after the patients did their own research and sought other opinions and sought out doctors who had looked at some of this. But again, imagine what it must be like to get so sick and be told it's all in your head. MedPage went on to interview Krumholtz. I'll read you a little bit of that. Krumholtz was asked, why is this important to study? And I'd like you to listen to how he starts out. It's almost as if everybody has to say this before they tell the truth or tell what they've uncovered. If it involves something potentially harmful about vaccines, they always start by saying, as he says here, the value of the vaccines is clear. They save millions of lives and are a modern medical miracle. Well, I will say here, there's a great deal of disagreement about that. I think there are many scientists who don't think the COVID vaccines save millions of lives. And we are only learning now about some of the problems they are creating. And as I said in the beginning, it's going to be a long time before we know the full impact of COVID vaccines or COVID itself. Anyway, he goes on to say, despite their enormous benefit, net benefit, talking about vaccines, it is possible that some people were harmed. I mean, it's such a silly statement in a way. We know people were harmed. Every medicine, and this is indisputable, and every vaccine has side effects. That's just not anything that's in question. And the COVID vaccines we know 
have very serious side effects and probably far more frequent than was initially reported or that some people are trying to say. In any event, he goes on to say, we have to approach this possibility with an open mind and respect the experience of those who have reported a debilitating set of symptoms after being vaccinated. We need to learn more about what this syndrome is, who gets it, what causes it, how we can prevent it, and how we can mitigate or cure it. He's absolutely right about that. He goes on to say, what is absolutely clear is that people are suffering. These are people whose lives have unraveled. These people deserve our sympathy and our help. And perhaps what we learn from their experience in biology and from those with long COVID might have benefits for many other people who have syndromes that are poorly defined either after infection or vaccination. After a short break, we will talk about some of the problems some people are suffering after COVID and after COVID vaccination. We'll explain why those symptoms are often dismissed. And we'll talk a little bit about what scientists are learning as far as how long after COVID or how long after COVID vaccines, sometimes these illnesses pop up kind of out of the blue. Back in a moment. In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, it's never been more important to fight the heavy hand of censorship and support truly independent journalism. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the store tab for a great way to do that. There are all kinds of cool products. A lot of them make great gifts that feature catchphrases like, I tested positive for critical thinking and do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Proceeds support independent journalism causes like the Cheryl Ackeson Ion Awards for off-narrative, accurate reporting. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the store tab. We're back. And now, what kind of symptoms are being associated with long COVID and long vax? Well, it turns out, according to scientists, it's practically everything. I remember one government scientist in the know, working on this case very early on, told me that this pathogen, this virus, COVID-19, has an incredible ability to adapt and find the weakness in a particular person's system. So what it may do to one person, it may not do to the next. And I think we all know this. That's basically true of any adverse event with medicine, however. But the observation was made to me that there was something uniquely insidious about COVID-19 giving rise or support at least to the theory and idea that this could have been engineered to be some sort of weapon. And I will iterate that as I've reported on my website and videos that cite the documents and sources, it was concluded by government officials who looked at this very early on by government scientists that this virus was a result of man's manipulation. People are still debating that today, but this was concluded by those closest to it a long, long time ago that this came from man's manipulation or was engineered. Anyway, there's a good study that you can look at for information on some of the symptoms. I will tell you anecdotally, the doctors and researchers who are working on this have told me that they've treated things such as uh, heart problems, shortness of breath, which may be related to the heart problems, strokes, all kinds of blood disorders and blood clots, paralysis, incredible weakness or tiredness, what they're calling brain fog, various kinds of cognitive dysfunction, nerve pain in different parts of the body, all kinds of things. So it's hard to pinpoint 
a single small body of symptoms that could be affiliated with this problem. The study that you can look at that was published in January of 2023 is entitled Long COVID Major Findings, Mechanisms, and Recommendations. And this was published in Nature at nature.com. So if you search online, Long COVID Major Findings, Mechanisms, and Recommendations with one of the lead authors being Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, Davis, and another being Eric Topol, T-O-P-O-L. You should be able to find this yourself. But there's something you need to remember when you're reading this valuable information about long COVID. In almost every case, it applies to long vax or vaccine injuries because what they conveniently omit, largely because of political reasons, is that the people who are suffering from long COVID invariably have had one or more vaccinations. And whether they have or not, the vaccinated are suffering from similar symptoms and syndromes. So the things that apply to long COVID also apply to those of you who've had vaccination. And according to some research, the more vaccinations that you've had and the more incidences of COVID, which tend to go hand in hand, the more times you've been vaccinated, the more cases of COVID people are getting, then the more likely you are, if you're suffering, suffering an adverse event, to have the adverse event be serious. Okay, maybe that's a lot to process, but let me read you the abstract from the study that I'm referring you to about long COVID, which also applies, remember, as I said, to vaccination. It says long COVID is an often debilitating illness that occurs in at least 10% of severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus infections. As an aside, uh, scientists, many of them at least, are now saying it's a much larger percent being impacted or who will be impacted. Back to the abstract, it says more than 200 symptoms have been identified with impacts on multiple organ systems. At least 65 million individuals worldwide are estimated to have long COVID with cases increasing daily. Shouldn't this be international headline news? This is me talking. At least 65 million individuals that they know of that have had reports as of January earlier this year. We know that when something is reported, the true incidence is much higher and people are brushing off some of these illnesses or maybe their doctors are kind of brushing them off because if they can find another explanation, as we discussed, if you already had a pre-existing heart vulnerability and you're suffering something worse, well, they may not look at the impact the vaccines or COVID um, are having on that because they're explaining it away saying, of course you had a heart problem and now you're growing older and it's getting worse. Back to the abstract, it says biomedical research has made substantial progress in identifying various pathophysiological changes and risk factors in characterizing the illness. Further, similarities with other viral onset illnesses, such as, I probably am not pronouncing these correctly, but myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome and postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, POTS, have laid the groundwork for research in the field. In this review, we explore the current literature and highlight key findings that overlap with other conditions, the variable onset of symptoms, long COVID in children, and the impact of vaccinations. At least they acknowledge there is a potential impact of vaccinations. Although these key findings are critical to understanding long COVID, says the abstract, current diagnostic and treatment options are insufficient and clinical trials must be prioritized that address leading hypotheses. Additionally, 
to strengthen long COVID research, future studies must account for biases and COVID testing issues, build on viral onset research, be inclusive of marginalized populations, and meaningfully engage patients throughout the research process. And reading a little more, because I think this is interesting, it says that long COVID encompasses multiple adverse outcomes. Again, this applies to long vax. With common new onset conditions, including cardiovascular, heart, thrombotic, blood, and cerebrovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome, and dysautonomia, dysautonomia, especially POTS, as I mentioned a moment ago. Symptoms can last for years, it says, and probably even longer than they know since COVID is so new. This hasn't stretched out very far in terms of the research world. And particularly, it says in new cases of onset of that myalgic encephalomyelitis and chronic fatigue syndrome, they're expected to be lifelong, and there are currently no validated effective treatments. Well, that may be changing, and that's some of the reporting that I'm doing for full measure. Certainly, unfortunately, it doesn't seem as though the government and publicly funded studies are on the cutting edge of this. That should have been sort of a priority status from the start before any adverse events were even reported. Uh, There should have been a tracking system instituted and required by the government with anybody who showed up at doctors' offices and hospitals with any kind of illness to build data as to when did they have COVID, when did they have vaccination and which vaccinations. And we would have a huge database right now to start looking at these adverse events and these outcomes But nobody was mandated or even suggested to collect this information. Why wouldn't you? In fact, for a podcast I did earlier on this very podcast, I interviewed a nurse who said when she was in the ER reporting adverse events from vaccines as fast as she could, other doctors were bringing them to her because she knew how to do it and they were too busy. She was told to stop and she claims ultimately fired from her job for filing these adverse event reports with the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System called VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, something that, depending on the adverse event, by the way, is required under the law, and yet she says she lost her job over it. Okay, now in the order of symptoms and the impact on organs with differing pathology, as this study in Nature talks about, I'm going to read you from a chart that they have that you might find interesting that discusses symptoms and pathology, but I'm just gonna read the symptoms. You can look at this in more detail if you choose, but under heart symptoms, you may have chest pain, palpitations. Those two things have been identified. Under lungs, cough, abnormal breathing, labored breathing, shortness of breath. Under the immune system, autoimmunity problems, something called MCAS which stands for mast cell activation syndrome, causes a person to have repeated severe allergy symptoms affecting several body symptoms. Uh, According to a definition, it says in MCAS, mast cells mistakenly release too many chemical agents resulting in symptoms in the skin, gastrointestinal tract, heart, respiratory, and neurologic systems. Other symptoms affiliated with Long COVID and long vac so far, as of January this year, were in the pancreas diabetes and pancreas injury, in the gastrointestinal tract, abdominal pain and nausea, neurological system, cognitive impairment, 
fatigue, you may know somebody who's reported extreme fatigue. Sometimes it arises a year later. They can hardly get out of bed, particularly after they exercise. Disordered sleep, memory loss, and tinnitus, which is a ringing or sound in the ears. Under kidney, spleen, and liver, organ injury is reported. Under blood vessels, fatigue is reported, and that can be as a result of, these are blood-related, coagulopathy, deep vein thrombosis, endothelial dysfunction, microangiopathy, microclots, that's a big one. We've talked about microclots. You're going to be hearing a lot more about that. Pulmonary embolism and stroke. How many people do you know went into the ER or hospital with a stroke in the past couple of years and were not asked about whether they'd been vaccinated recently or even ever with COVID vaccines? And then finally, under the reproductive system, it's been reported that long COVID and therefore long vax can cause erectile dysfunction, increased severity and number of premenstrual syndromes and irregular menstruation. Remember when that was characterized by social media and propagandists as a conspiracy theory? And reduced sperm count. And here's something else interesting that scientists have found and that's mentioned in this study from last January. The fact that you didn't have to have a really bad case of COVID or maybe even notice that you had COVID at all to suffer later from what they're calling long COVID or long vax. In fact, there is immune dysregulation in people who had mild COVID-19. It's been found that they had what's called T-cell alterations, including exhausted T-cells and other problems. A big problem could be, according to multiple studies and mentioned in this Nature study, is elevated levels of autoantibodies, which means too many of something that you would think could be good, but in fact, when high levels are found, it could target the tissue, like your connective tissue, your vascular system, coagulation factors and platelets, organ system, this says, including lungs, central nervous system, skin and gastrointestinal tract, all kinds of things. COVID-19 and the vaccines can reactivate viruses that have been dormant in people's bodies. I think we've found that. There have been reports, for example, of shingles emerging in people who've had COVID vaccines and COVID and even had the shingles vaccines. And although I think we looked initially at COVID-19 as a respiratory illness, it really, as this study indicates, has the capability to damage many organ systems. Therefore, so do the vaccines. Microclots detected in both acute COVID-19 and long COVID contribute to thrombosis, according to this study in Nature. Long-term changes to the size and stiffness of blood cells have also been found with the potential to affect oxygen delivery. And that's really some of what the cutting-edge research is looking at. The fact that, according to researchers, when your oxygen delivery is impacted, it can mess up all kinds of things in your body. Some people have problems with their vision, some with their hearing, some with their voice, some with their heart, their brain. It can be almost anything, it seems. And one thing that makes it so problematic is when this stuff is caused from what they're terming microclots, they're too tiny for the regular doctors to see. So if you're feeling bad and you go to your doctor and he looks at the normal scans and like CAT scans and MRIs and sonograms, 
typically, according to research, they're not going to see these microclots or this problem. They're going to brush it off or attribute the problems to something else. Maybe again, as we talked about your pre-existing conditions or the fact that you're just growing older. So it can feel kind of hopeless. People are being told there's nothing they can do. This is just sort of the course of the normal process they're going to have to endure. It can be very frustrating, of course, particularly for those who are very, very sick, can't get out of bed, can't think straight anymore. They've got severe cases of long COVID or long vax. So here's where I'm going to end with a little good news. And I'm hoping that this podcast and the research that I'm suggesting you look at and the listening that I hope you do help spread the word and more quickly advance research that can help people. The good news is there are independent doctors and researchers who are using their curiosity and what they're seeing in their patients to look at potential treatments, and they are meeting with some success. They're trying new and experimental therapies based on what they're seeing in their patients, understanding that there could be unseen microclots, and there are ways to test for that. It's just not an ordinary normal test that doctors do. In the coming weeks, you will see what I hope to be a very good resource and an important report on full measure that addresses this and provides a lot more resources for people who feel they may have been impacted or want to look into that possibility or refer their doctors to some resource that the doctors can grab onto that has some credibility where they can start to know there are places they can go to look for information that could help their patients where they haven't looked previously. And I think the government ultimately may start bringing up the rear. Sadly, again, as I said, they are not on the cutting edge of this research and we should have been much further along. And we would have been if this hadn't been so shrouded in propaganda and politics. But ultimately, I think the government will start to come along and fund and produce some of their own research on this topic to advance it. But right now, it's more or less the independent, non-government funded researchers and doctors and scientists who may be more quick out of necessity to find advances. And that is if the government doesn't stop them. Because one thing we've learned with COVID is when there are powerful forces that don't want the finger pointed in a certain direction or don't want us looking at certain things, they can do a lot to stop it. They can pull the licenses of doctors. They can claim that these doctors and researchers are doing something irresponsible by moving ahead with trying out new treatments. I hope that's not the case. That's just been the case in the recent past. But if patients become informed and look at the studies that are out there that are addressing this seriously, not in a way that's trying to divert from the topic at hand, then we have some power, we have some say-so, and we can draw attention to this and hopefully get it looked at because this is the scary part. If some of the scientists I'm listening to now are correct in their theories and what they're saying as they look ahead, these are scientists who've been correct in the recent past about the things they've looked at, then nearly all of us are impacted or are going to be impacted by this. Because if you've had COVID or if you've had the vaccines or if you've had both and this problematic spike protein is in your system, it's something that may not be manifesting today but could come up in the future as you age or as you get a challenge to your immune system or something else happens. That's what they're looking at now. And that's why this study in Nature talks about at least 65 million known people estimated already to be suffering from this, not even counting the vaccine part of the long COVID equation. 
So let's not give up. If you know somebody who's hurting in the stories that I'm doing that are coming up on full measure, you will hear from people who thought they were on their deathbed and did have remarkable improvement. In some cases, what they feel is a cure. I don't want to overpromise. I don't think the researchers and doctors want to overpromise, but they are finding ways to treat people who had no hope and they're bringing back function, they're bringing back health to some of these people in a way that seems miraculous. So don't quit looking, don't give up, and keep doing your own research. Eyeshadow has come a long way since you swiped on one color at a time or practically had to take a master class in cosmetics to get the shading right. Hi, I'm Star, owner of the Lemonade Mermaid, and I've designed an exclusive shade-shifting multi-chrome pigment for eyes that's like no other you'll ever see. Just swipe it on your eyelids and the magic happens. Depending on the angle and light, it shifts between hues of golden pink or green and pink and even purple and gold. The shading is done for you. Just $25 for a jar that will last you months. My website is store.lemonademermaid.life. And listeners of this podcast can get 20% off these incredible pigments by using the checkout code PODCAST. I hope to see you at store.lemonademermaid.life today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, you'll leave a great review and share it with your friends. And check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, for more original reporting and interviews on off-narrative topics that powerful interests often try to censor. It's never been more important to support independent reporting. You can do that by going to the CherylAckison.com website, click the Store tab, and browse our great products. The most popular new slogan that I have on products there is, I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All the old ones came true. Proceeds support causes like the Cheryl Ackeson Ion Awards, giving cash awards recognizing and encouraging independent off-narrative reporting by college students and professionals. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. <laughs>